Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing? Hey, if you're doing good and you got like seats to the inside of you, scoot in a little bit. We're going to be a little tight today, which is good. Um, you know, over the... We don't talk about numbers a whole lot, um, but sometimes we do it just to encourage you. And I've been really encouraged by it. I really believe God's doing something, that God is moving. Um, over the last two weeks and then from the early service this morning, we've had 53 people indicate that they prayed to receive Christ. So we're excited about that. And... Um, you know, I'm not an evangelist, but we do preach the gospel, and that's, you know, that's uh, uh, God doing what God does, because that's not something that we can do. So today we're going to talk about, you know, one of the things I've noticed throughout my years is I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people about their relationships with God. <clears throat> sometimes that was, you know, I sought them out intentionally. Sometimes they'd seek me out. Sometimes it was random encounters, and one of the things that you know, the questions that you come to is, you know, do you, do you know uh, for sure that when you die that you will be in heaven with God? And, you know, the overwhelming response through the years has been, well, yeah. And, and then I ask, well, you know, what, is, what do you believe? You know, why do you believe that, that you'll be in heaven? And, and, you know, you get a variety of responses. There's some that give the faith answer. And then there's, you know, people that, well, I mean, I've, um, I've tried to be a good person and, you know, I've gone to church or I've done this or, you know, a lot of them have even said, well, I've never murdered anybody, you know, so I, I, that's a pretty low bar to me. I mean, but anyway, um, not murdering people would seem to be, you know, the least you could do. But, you know, the, the thing about it is, is that there is sometimes confusion and there is, is misunderstanding about it. And that can happen because of, you know, things that we've heard or, or things that we haven't heard. And so what I want to do today is I really want us to look at some very scriptural definitions about what it means to be saved and what it means to be a person who's saved, what that looks like. <clears throat> because I want you to know what God's Word says. You know, we live in a culture now where um, it, it's really amazing to me to see the people, number of people that have chosen to unhitch themselves from the Word of God because something else feels good. And, you know, there, there have been people that have had a certain stand about Scripture, and then, you know, they have a personal encounter with someone, and then it's like, well, you know, I'm changing what I believe because of this. And um, the, there are a lot of people that I've respected through, year, through the years that I believe have taught, you know, the Word of God that at some point drift off. And so for the reason... But I'm telling you these things is because if you want to know about salvation, if you want to know about who God is, you need to hitch yourself to this book right here, okay? And not to any person, including me. And if you are listening to someone and they're not hitched to the Word of God, then unhitch yourself from them. And I hate to say it, but there aren't a whole lot of people that I would just say, hey, that's scriptural. Now, I'm not saying that they're, they're not out there, but maybe I just don't know them or, or don't know about them. But there's a lot of people that I know of that have really 
softened their, their stance or changed their stance about this or that because of public pressure, because of the pressure that, that, that comes with making that stand. And, and, and here's something I want to tell you. If you really stand on the word of God, you're, you're not going to be the most popular person in the world. You're just not. Because the word of God tells us clearly that, you know, lying, stealing, um, coveting someone else's wife or husband, um, homosexuality, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, all those things are sin. And they're an offense to a holy God. And there's a lot of other things too. And the bottom line is, is that when we offend God, that causes a, a, a rift between us. And there's only one way to fix that rift. And throughout the history and in the history of our country, one of the things you have to be very careful about is, is every single cult, every single false religion will start out by quoting scripture to you. So just because somebody knows a Bible verse doesn't mean they're going to give you the gospel. You, if you've ever had a Mormon missionary come up to you and you tell them I'm a Christian, they're going to start, oh yeah, yeah, well, we believe the Bible. And they'll, they'll quote a couple of scriptures at you, but they don't believe the Bible. And they're not Christian, okay? There are, if a Muslim comes up to you, they'll start out with, well, yeah, we believe in Abraham. And they might even quote something out of Genesis to you. And you know what? They might even be a good person. But that doesn't mean they're giving you the truth. It doesn't mean even that they know the truth. Every whacked out cult that's ever started has started out with some kind of Christian basis. That dude down in Waco, that dude was nuts. David Koresh, he believed he was Jesus. But it started out by teaching people the Bible. And so you've got to be very careful, even when you're listening to Bible teachers, to make sure that what they're saying is measuring up to what is in here. And here's my question for you. How many of you would know if somebody was taking Scripture and twisting it, or was trying to lead you astray. How many of you know this well enough to be able to spot deception and to spot lies? Look, we have an enemy. Satan was in heaven and was cast down by God from heaven because of his pride, because he thought he could be God. And for thousands of years, it started in the first part of Genesis. He's been deceiving people. And every single deception, when he tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he took God's words and twisted them. When he tried to tempt Jesus in the, in the wilderness when he was out there for 40 days and nights, he used the scripture. And you know what? The, the best defense is scripture. Jesus quoted scripture back to him in defense because he knew the word of God. And you know what? We can know it too. And so what I want you to know is, I'm not trying to convince you if you're, if you're saved. I'm not trying to convince you you're lost. All right? I, don't, I don't want to cast doubt on your salvation. But I want you to know what the Bible says about salvation. What Jesus said about salvation. What the Word of God says about what it means to be saved and what that looks like. I want you to know what that is. And so you can look up, the, just click on that link there. All the scriptures I'm going to use today are going to be in there. And I would encourage you to take those scriptures and go home and read the whole chapter around them. I don't have time to do that today, obviously. But read it in context and see for yourself and know for yourself. Know the word well enough that you're able to spot deception. 
And, and beyond that, you have something even greater than that. If you know Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you also have a promise in Scripture that when you ask for wisdom, that God will give it to you. Ask for wisdom about what you're taking in, about where you're, what you're listening to is truth. Okay? And you got a question? Come ask me about it. If you find an error in something that I've said or something I've preached, come talk to me about it. I mix things up every now and then. I've called Abraham, Moses, Moses, Abraham. Usually have a staff member right down here after the service tell me they love catching me in them little things. And I'm fine with them doing that because I want to know. If I say something wrong, if I misspeak, I want to know. So you see something that, I, that, that you believe I've said that's not scriptural, you come talk to me about it. All right? But we're going to start today in Matthew chapter 7, and these are the words of Jesus. You know, when I, I grew up in the, in the South, and that, it was called the Bible Belt. Now, I don't know if it is so much anymore, but it was. And as a matter of fact, you could get dropped in any town, and there were more churches than there were stoplights in very, any town in, in the South. There were churches everywhere. And when I was a kid, a lot of those churches preached kind of the same thing, but they might disagree about how you do this, or how you do that, or how you, and, and there are disagreements in those things. You know, you want to talk about how a church is structured? There are different ways of doing it. You want to talk about how a church worships? There's different ways people do it. And there's no biblical style of worship. There's nowhere in there where it says, hey, you need to have a worship leader, bass, guitar, and, you know, drums. It doesn't say that in there. It also didn't say you're supposed to do hymns, because guess what? They didn't have hymns back in the early church. Those came later. So there's no biblical style. Nothing any of those are wrong. They're all fine. They're all good. But there's different ways of worship. And the Bible says not to argue about disputable matters. Now, when it comes to salvation, I'll fight you to the death over that one. Because that's not a disputable matter. The scripture clearly tells us how to be saved and what salvation means. There's one way. And we're going to start out today with some of the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the first thing that you will find in false religions is this idea that somehow you can earn it. That's a common thing. That you can earn it by doing this, by being this good a person, by giving this or by whatever. You know, you give enough to, the, to this organization or this church, whatever they want to call it. It always starts out with some way that you can earn it. The true gospel tells us you can't earn it. The narrow gate is Jesus, all right? The broad gate is the one that's more comfortable. It's easier. It's the one that we like. We always, we want to be in control, feel like we're in control of our destiny about what happens to us. We don't like to think that somebody else does it for us. We want to know we did it. You know, that there, I don't know if y'all heard, but apparently China sent us some early Valentine's balloons <laughs> here in America. I, I don't know. And, you know, one of the things, the, 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 I didn't care about the spy stuff because, you know, they, they got satellites. They can see they can pick out your name on a shirt when you walk out of here. Their satellites are so powerful. So it's not like they don't know all that stuff already. But the one thing that worried me was this, 
um, theory that came up that they were carrying these EMP bombs, which is it's a nuclear explosion that happens in the atmosphere. And it basically it fries all the electronics and it'll also knock out the, the entire electric grid. It can to hit over the East Coast in particular. That's where 90 percent of the power comes from is the East Coast power grid. And then the, this EMP bomb would also wipe out any computer board. Your, your, your phone wouldn't work. Your iPad wouldn't work. Your car wouldn't, wouldn't work because they're all run by computers. It would ruin all those things. Now, that is what scares me. I mean, I, I ain't worried about them coming over and um, invading us. I mean, I, I know Texas. I know all y'all, you know, <laughs> we got plenty of guns and ammo. We can fight. So that, you know, hey, we can control that. We may not last long, but we can do something. But you think about, man, you can't get any money out of the bank. You can't go anywhere in your vehicle. You can't talk to anybody. Everything, you can't watch sports on TV. I mean, whatever it is, you got no control over that at all. Now, that to me is the scariest thing. That's what worries me, stuff like that. And so that's what concerns us the most. If you think about what your greatest fear is, it usually comes down to, being in someone else's control or not being in control of your, of your, your destiny or what you can do. That's what we fear. And that's what is the appeal for all these false religions that, Hey, if you do this or you reach this level, or you can do that, that you can control that you can earn your way to heaven. And we like that, that appeals to our nature, but that's not what scripture tells us. And it also, that's why it's such a broad road is because people, they respond to that. The way of Jesus is this, it's a narrow way. It's, it's, the road is difficult. Jesus told his followers, he didn't say, hey man, follow me, it's going to be smooth sailing. He said, hey, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He says, follow me. Take up your cross daily. Die to self daily. It's not a, an easy path. If you're going to be, live as a Christian in this world that we're in now, it's going to be increasingly more difficult to be an open, known believer in the world that we live in. And are you willing to choose that? In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, Jesus told us plainly, you're not going to be a Muslim or a Hindu or whatever. Well, they're good, they're good people. And they're trying. Yeah, they're trying. But here's the thing. God gave a gate and said, this is the way. And there's only one way. You know, I like watching adventure movies. I bet y'all do too. And in, in adventure movies, there, there's current common themes. You know, the, the hero or whatever gets stuck and he, 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 he can't get out and things are kind of about to crash down on him. And then a buddy happens or something, he figures out a way or, or whatever, but somebody pops through and like, hey man, come on, <clears throat> I can get you out. And how many times do you see him go, eh, I'm going to try a different way. Well, that way's closed. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to try it. You, if, if a way's open and you have a way of escape, you have a way to escape what is doom, you take it. And here's the thing. God didn't just 
come up with that randomly. It was planned before the foundations of the world. There was, there's only one way for us to be saved, and that is through a relationship with Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one. You can't stand in heaven before God and say, hey, I deserve to be here because of me. You can't do that. You can't do it because, well, I did some good stuff. You can't do enough good stuff. You can't say, well, I went to this church, or I was part of this religion, or I did that. There's only one way, and that is through a relationship with Jesus. Hey, even coming to church every Sunday is not going to earn you a spot in heaven. You can't earn it. It's only through Jesus. And there's a few tests. I'm going to ask you a couple tests. Number one, here's the first thing. Did following Jesus cost you anything? When you chose to trust Christ as your Savior, did it cost you anything? Because the Bible tells us it costs us something. Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about repenting of your sins, turning away from them, of saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to die to that. You see, there's a big discussion now. It's like, well, you know, okay, these people, you know, they do this. They want to have this lifestyle, but they come to faith the same way you do too. Yeah, but let me tell you what John, James is really clear about. If you say you have faith, but that faith doesn't change you, that's not a faith that can save you. Faith that saves you costs. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. If you're not willing to nail the passions and desires of your sinful nature to the cross and turn away from them, then you can't come to Christ. You don't get to come to him and say, hey, Jesus, I want to be saved, but I'm also, you know, I like doing drugs and I finance that by being a drug dealer. So I'm going to be the best drug dealing Christian you can ever meet. You can't do it. Well, hey, Jesus, I, I like to sleep around, and that's just what I do, and I'm, I'm going to be the best sleeping around Christian that you'll ever meet. You cannot do that. Well, I'm a thief. That's how I make my living. But from now on, I'll tithe on whatever I steal. You can't do that. you got to turn away from that. Now, that doesn't mean that the thief doesn't fall and fail. It doesn't mean that the one who's trying to clean up their life sexually, that they never fail again. People fail. We all fail. But if you're not willing to turn away from it and give it up, you can't come to Jesus. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? You know, he, he's going by this straw man argument about, well, I mean, if God's grace is what speaks to people, the more I sin, the more I show grace. But he said, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? You know, that's what baptism is. It's a picture of dying and being reborn. It's laying aside the old and coming out new. That's the picture. And you can't skip that part. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily the physical act of being baptized. That doesn't save you. It's important. 
But when you come to Christ, it's dying and being reborn, born again. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You can't live a new life and you can't be raised from the dead. You can't be reborn unless you die first. And if you refuse to lay aside the things of your previous life, then you can't die with Christ. So did following Jesus cost you anything? <clears throat> you know, some people could stand up and testify that it cost them friendships, jobs, even family members that turned their back on them. But you know, one of the things, Jesus said some hard things. He said, anyone who doesn't love me more than their father or their, their child is not worthy of me. It doesn't mean that you, you hate them. What it means is that you got to choose to love Jesus more. Because there's always going to be a temptation to compromise to make somebody else happy or to make, keep peace in a relationship. And when you follow Jesus, you don't have the choice for that anymore. You made a decision to follow him first. Has following Jesus changed your life? See, it costs us something and then it should change us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You know, there's, there is something that is, it is completely miraculous to put to death the old self and to come out new. And you know what? If, if, you've been a, if you're a believer, I can remember the first time and I was really, really young when I accepted Christ. But I remember the first time somebody said, you know, you seem different than before. That wasn't me. That was Jesus in me. And you know what? If you're going to follow Christ, there should be a time when people say, you know what? You seem different. There's something different about you. Because it ought to change us. If the, if the gospel is not powerful enough to change you, how could it be powerful enough to save you? It is powerful enough. But here's the deal. If we don't do that far, part from the, the beginning, which is dying to self and turning from our sins and really trusting Christ, it's not going to change us. And if it wasn't strong enough to change us, if we didn't believe it enough, if we didn't give ourselves to it enough, then was it strong enough to save us? Now, I want you to understand something. We're all going to, we all struggle with sin. Most of us, if you were to, if we were to ask, hey, how many good things did you do this last week? You could probably come up with a list. Because we remember those, don't we? But let me tell you something. If I were to ask you how many times you sin, you'd go, ah, well, you want to know why? Because we, we can sin at the speed of sound with a thought, with an emotion. I mean, we do. We, we sin. And it's hard to keep up with those. And so I, I get it. You might go, man, 
I'm not perfect. I still blow it a lot. That doesn't mean you're not saved. Let me tell you something. Saved people are going to struggle with sin too. But what I'm asking is, is there any, anything changed from before? And, and that process of becoming like Jesus is a lifelong process that will not be done until we see him face to face. And then we'll become just as he is. So I'm not saying that it means an absence of sin. But I'm telling you, you know, we ought to be different. We ought to be changed. Romans 1.17, and here's the second part. As we, start, we stop living by sight. What does living by sight mean? Living by sight means that we only believe in what we can see. And we, we, we mold our life to what the world tells us. This is how things work. But believing in faith, living in faith is different than that. It's believing in things we can't see. This good news, that's the gospel, the good news about Jesus, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. When we're saved, we're right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So that we begin in faith. It begins by believing, by having faith. But then in Hebrews 10, 38 through 30, 39, my righteous ones will live by faith. My righteousness, righteous ones will live by faith. And that means believing what God's word says, even when we can't see it. Maybe even when we don't understand it. And maybe even when we don't like it. That's what living by faith means. That a believer should be living by faith. Now, I'm on, I'm fitting to get into the all up in your personal business stage of the sermon. Are y'all ready? Let me tell you something. An area where I see widespread living by sight and not by faith is in the area, and this is all the way from teens through adulthood, is in the, is in the, the realm of our relations with people of the opposite sex. Our dating, how we do things. Let me tell you something. If you were to put Christians over here and look at them and then you put the world right next to them, there's a vast majority of Christians that are doing it exactly the same way that people in the world are. They're dressing the same. They're looking for a mate, the same places. They don't have any standards, and they're given to themselves physically to people before marriage at the same rate a lot of times as non-Christians. Let me tell you what that is. That's living by sight. And when you live by sight, it's going to cause damage. Living by faith, I, I'm fitting to give you all this for free right here. This Pastor Brian's sure and infallible means to finding the right person that God wants for you. Y'all ready? Quit looking and start becoming. Quit looking for that person and start becoming the kind of person that the person you want to marry would want to marry. You focus on that and God will take you to them or he'll bring them to you. All this looking and all this stuff about, well, I just got to find them. And, you know, and then, then I, oh my God, they're just so cute. Oh my goodness. 
Let me tell you, I can't tell you how many wrecks have started out with some variation of that term right there. And here's the deal is that I'm going to, girls, I'm going to give you a secret from dudes. They will tell you anything. You understand? They will promise, oh, I'll go to church with you. I'll clean that up. I'll stop doing that. Six months later, boom, right back to everything. Here's something for for guys that you need to know about girls. Whenever you see them, they're going to, I mean, they're going to be wearing their best outfit. They're going to be made up. They're going to look good. When you take them somewhere to eat, they're going to, I don't eat much. They're going to eat like a little bird. (laughs) I just have a couple pieces of salad. That's all. I don't eat much. (laughs) Six months later, ain't nothing but sweatpants (laughs) and supersize me, please. I know I just offended everybody in here, and I'm sorry about that. (laughs) I am. Here's the deal. Everybody's trying to put their best foot forward when they're dating. It ain't their best foot you need to worry about. It's the other one. You understand? Here's the deal. If If you are more concerned about, God, who do you want for me? Who do I need to be so that that person would want to be I'm going to work on being what you want me to be. God had to take me to Timbuk, Oklahoma to find a wife. In the middle of nowhere, a town I'd never heard of. And I got there and boom, there she was. Do you know within nine months of getting there, I was married. God took me there to find find my wife. And my wife was still sitting there going, why am I still here? I, I want to leave this town because I hadn't got there yet. God hadn't brought me there yet. And then when he got us both together, we got out of there fast. <laughs> God moved us on. It was just a meeting place. That's all it was. But if you'll focus more on being who God wants you to be and following him in everything, he'll take you to the right one. But instead, we're doing it like the world does it and wondering why we're getting the same results they're getting. Hey, you want something different than what the world's offering and showing and producing? Do it differently. Do it the way God says. Live by faith and not by sight. Well, I got to, if I can see them, they can see me. See, we're, we're appealing to that instead of trusting that God will bring us to the right one. We got to learn how to live by faith when it comes to our jobs with what we do is that we trust God. Hey, I, I yeah, I kind of, I lie a little bit at work, you know, I do this or whatever, but that's, that's just how you do it in my bit. No, start doing it in a way that honors God and watch and see what God will do. And that's, the next question, has God changed you? Are you living by faith? And has God, has following Jesus changed the way you live? Because it ought to. You ought to be able to say, you know what? For Jesus, this is what my life looked like. This is what I look like. But now I met Jesus. So here's what it looks like now. This is how I used to do it before. This is how I do it now. 
Because it changed not only me, it changed the way I live. John, 1 John 2, 2 through 6. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. That seems pretty simple. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll, you'll, you'll obey my commands. Simple. Now, here's the next phrase of that. And this one's hard. It's a hard saying. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, I want to say once again, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because you're not. But the way we live life should be different when we're following Jesus. That's one of the things that shows us, just like it said, this is how we know we are living in him. It ought to change the way we live. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Be hitched to the word of God. Change the way you think. Start learning how to think biblically. Allow the word of God to have such a place in your life that that's the first thing that comes out. And stop copying the customs and behavior of the world. You know, how much time do you spend doing something because you want to fit in? Well, you know, man, all my friends, when we get together, this is what we do. Well, is it good? Well, no, but then why are you doing it? There's two things that are going to happen there. When you compromise with your friends, you're going to end up getting the same results they do in life. And number two, when you won't take a stand for Jesus, how do you ever expect to be able to tell them that Jesus can change their life? Now, the offer of salvation, it's open to everybody. It's open to everyone. John 1, 12 through 13, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, you hear all the time, well, we're all God's children. We're not. We're all God's creation. God created each one of us, and God loves every one of us. But we become his child when we have a relationship with Christ. That is the entry into becoming a child of God. To those who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you, I want to think about it. I am a, I, I'm now I am a child of God. When I come to my father, I don't come as, as a stranger, as an alien. I come as a son. And let me tell you something, and you know this. When your son or daughter comes to you and asks for something, you want to give it to them. Now, there's times you've got to say, no, that ain't good for you. But never have I looked at my child and go, I ain't giving you squat. I don't like you anyhow. Get out of my house. You don't do that with your child. You love them. 
They're your child. To all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. John 3, 16 through 18, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son in the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. You know, that you understand there's two people, two kinds of people in the world, those who are children of God, who are not judged, and those who have been judged already for not believing in God's one and only son. Well, you know, I, I believe, I, I know that's true. Well, that's just being able to mentally say that's not enough. The Bible says the demons believe also and they shudder. When Jesus came by the demons, he had to tell them not to call him the son of God. That's what they wanted to call him because they knew who he was. So just knowing who he is is not enough. You got to know him. Now, how do you do that? Romans 10, 13 through 17, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? You know, that word belief that we use there, it's not just like, yeah, 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 I know that's true. It's like, yeah, I know that's true. It's a belief that changes the way we do things. It's a belief that causes us to move, to act. We don't earn the right to become God, uh, God's children by what we do, but by being his children, it causes us to act differently. How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. And the good news is, today, even if you are one of those that is sitting under judgment because you've not believed in the, in the name, in the Son of God, you don't have to leave the same way you walked in here. You can be forgiven of all your sins. You can be given the right to be called a child of God. You know, it's interesting to me, there's, a, there's even a verse in there where it says, we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is the Arabic word. It best translates as daddy. You know, there's not a, a father or even a mother that doesn't remember when their child called out to him by name. Mama, daddy. There is something powerful about that in there. We don't go tell everybody, hey, my... My child learned how to say no today. They, they will learn that one too. They're calling me daddy now. They can say daddy. They can say mommy. There is something powerful in the heart of the father towards the child and in the heart of the child 
towards the Father. And you can be given the right to call the God of the universe, Daddy. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. Here's what it takes. When we sin and we all sin, you know, God, God loves you. He loves you enough to send his only son. To sacrifice his son on the cross so that you could be saved. God doesn't have to prove his love for us anymore. Nobody else has ever done that for you. Fact. Nobody else ever sacrificed their child so that you could be saved. God did it. And there's a way now. A way to get off the road that leads to hell. A way to get out from underneath that judgment. A way to not answer for the sins that we've committed. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, which is separation from God forever. God's given us a way, and that way is Jesus. So the first thing you got to do is accept that you're a sinner. Admit you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. The second thing is you got to believe in Jesus. Jesus wasn't just some guy. He's not a prophet. He proved that he is who he says he is when he rose from the grave on the third day. Jesus is God's son. He's the only one that could pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the last thing is this, is, is you got to confess Jesus as Lord. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the door. And so I, I want to, there's a couple things I want to do. I wanna, if you're a believer, it's good to look at these verses and go, man, am I lined up with that? If you've had that experience where you trusted Christ, you were changed, sometimes we drift away and maybe you just need to say, God, I need to come back to following you and being and acting like your child. And then there's some of us that you've not made that decision. Maybe you've done your best to be a good person, but I hope that through these verses you could see that that's not the way. There's only one way and that's your relationship with Jesus. And if that's you and you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you have a right relationship with God, that you have the ability to call him daddy, be a child of God, and that you will be with him forever. If you'd like to know those things, we wanna give you the opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And it's just this simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me. You can pray it in your own words. But I want you to pray it with me right now. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you but pray it with me now. 
Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from my sins turning to you. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of anyone else. But if you prayed that prayer day and you meant it, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. So look up at me right now if you prayed that prayer today. Okay? take me a minute to get to you. There's a lot of people here. Okay. I see you. All right. See you. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you tell someone about your decision. So we would like to be one of those people that you tell about your decision. There's a, a number on the screen. There's a, a QR code there. It's also in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to, through one of those means to let us know that you prayed that prayer to receive Christ. And here's what we'll do. We're not going to push you, but we would love to contact you. We'll probably text you and see if we can set up a time either in person or on the phone so we can answer any questions about your decision and also talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. You don't have to join our church. We do that because we care about people and we want to help them in their journey with Christ. And it's important that you talk to someone. We're not going to ask you for anything and we're not going to bug you. We just want to help. And so you can do it through one of those means or also John, our next-gen pastor, We'll be down here at the front immediately after the service. He'll pray to close us. And if you want to come up and talk to someone today, we have people that will talk to you today. Or if you just want to come up and find out what times are available or, or start the process of getting together, we'd love to do that too. But I really want to encourage you to speak to someone and tell them about your new relationship with Jesus. And so right now, I want to pray for you and pray for blessings on your life and that God would help you as you seek to grow and follow him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, and your love for us. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for his obedience, even to death on a cross. Father, I pray for those that have come to a new decision today to follow Christ. Pray, Lord, that you'd help them to grow, that you'd help them to come to know you, pray that they'd find a place, Lord, that they can grow in their faith, the right church, where they can hear the word of God and be encouraged in their walk with you. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their spiritual journey to you. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.